We'll do more to avoid pain than we will to gain pleasure. What doesn't challenge you doesn't change you. I believe that the two most important times of somebody's life is the moment they were born and the moment they figure out why. If you help enough people get what they want in life, you'll always get what you want in life. Just become a, just be a hero to somebody else. Be a hero to yourself. Yes. And just make good, solid decisions. Stop looking for magical moments and create them. Create a magical moment. How do you create a magical moment? It's real simple. Start thinking about it. Your brain will figure it out. Go into Walmart and act dumb. Standing as you're getting ready to check out, the candy's right there. And look at it and go, I have no idea. I don't know. And turn to the clerk and go, what's your favorite candy bar? I like Reese's peanut butter. Great. Grab two of them and then go to her and then you pay for your or him and you pay for your whatever you're bought at Walmart and tell them to ring these two Reese's peanut butter cups up separately and then get two receipts. Can I have an extra receipt for that Reese's those candy bars? You take, take a bag, you put the Reese's in there, you take the receipt, you put it in there and you hand it to them and you walk out of the store and don't say another word other than thank you. I appreciate you. Have a wonderful day. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to another episode of Unleash Thyself, where we dive into the extraordinary tales of human resilience and transformation. I am Constantine Moroon, your guide on this journey of discovery and empowerment. Today, we're honored to share the incredible story of Dave Albin, a man who literally walks through fire to guide others towards their awakening. Imagine a life that begins in the glades of Hollywood, takes a dark turn into the depths of addiction, and emerges into the bright light of personal development and record-breaking achievements. Dave's path led him to the empowering world of Tony Robbins, where a simple act of walking over hot coals ignited a passion that would redefine his life's purpose. From being Tony's firework captain to founding Firewalk Productions, Dave has inspired and led hundreds of thousands, from Google executives to NASA scientists, to step beyond their limits. In this episode, we'll explore Dave's extraordinary life story, his early years, the struggles and triumphs, and how he transformed his life's greatest challenges into his greatest strengths. We'll delve into the mesmerizing world of firewalking, glass walking, arrow breaking, and board breaking, unraveling the science and psychology behind these ancient practices. If you have ever doubted the power within you, let Dave's journey be your inspiration. Remember, it's not the fire that burns you, it's the fear. And as Dave shows us, when you conquer the fear, there's no limit to how far you can go. As we get ready to embark on this journey with Dave, a reminder to hit like, subscribe, and share your thoughts in the comments. Your support fuels our mission to bring these life-changing stories to light. So settle in, open your mind, and prepare to be inspired by a story of courage, transformation, and the literal leap through fire. Ready to ignite your spirit? Let's dive into the world of Dave Albin. Welcome back to Unleash Thyself. I am thrilled to welcome Dave Albin to the show. Dave, we can't wait to hear more about the experiences and insights that have led you to where you are today and your unleashed moment. 
the moment you knew you are on your own path to becoming the best version of yourself. Yeah. So Dave, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks, man. I, I'm stoked to be here. It took it took a little bit for us to get it all worked out, but here we are, nonetheless. Here we are, exactly, exactly, Dave. So I know you have a fascinating story, right? And you worked for a long time with Tony Robbins, learned a lot from him and yeah. everyone around him. But before we get to that part of your journey, let's uh, let's start maybe in your childhood because you had a unique childhood growing up that unfortunately many other people have to, to deal with as well. And they may find some inspiration and empowerment in what you went through and how you've gotten to where sure. you are today. Absolutely. Um, so I was, when I was, uh, two months before I was born, actually, uh, my biological father, who was a pilot in Korea, uh, so we don't know what happened, Constantine, something happened to him. Um, he hit his head somehow. And to save his life, they put a plate in his head. Well, it also took his life because apparently there was a lot of pain associated with that plate. And he complained to my mom all the time. Um, you know, he didn't know how much longer he could take it. Two months before I was born, he turned to my mom and said, I'm going to the grocery store. And we never saw or heard from him again. So when I was born, I was born to a single mom. She already had two other boys. So now I made the third. Uh, we were all living in a one-bedroom apartment in Hollywood, California, along with my grandmother and along with another cousin. So there were six of us living in a one-bedroom apartment. And by the time I was five years old, my mom, who was uh, working uh, at the Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood, very well-known hotel, she was a server, and she was also known as Rosie the Riveter during World War II. You know, I come from an era, our parents, my parents, and that generation literally saved the world, right? Because my dad was in Europe fighting the Nazis. My best friend's dad was in Pearl Harbor fighting, defending against the Japanese. So while the men were away fighting, right, and saving the world, the women were home. And they did everything, literally. They built the Jeeps. They built the airplanes. They made the ammunition. I mean, they did all of it. And my mom, affectionately, was known as Rosie the Riveter, which just meant that she was working for McDonnell Douglas, and she built airplane. Well, so she, you know, she, and she came out of the Depression along with the other six kids, my aunts and uncles, right? So she was no stranger to hard work, that's for sure. But she just couldn't keep up. She just wasn't making enough money to feed all those mouths. So she did a very loving thing. She put me up for adoption. And her sister, my Aunt Pat and Uncle Bob would have been, adopted me. Well, now I don't know that they're my aunt and uncle. All I know is that I'm now taken off out of Hollywood. And now I live in Long Beach, California with Bob and Pat Albin. And at the age of five, well, I had a beautiful life you know, for the first six years. We went camping a lot. We went to Yosemite. We went to Big Bear. We went to Lake Arrowhead. We went to Lake Havasu. I mean, we went all over California camping. And they were just good people, you know. I mean, my dad, Bob Albin, was a highly decorated military officer. Uh, he was a career military, so he was in the Army and the National Guard. Um, so we had a nice house. We always had food on the table. You know, we never, I never needed anything. I always had pretty much anything I, you know, you would want as a kid. I'm living in Southern California. 
Uh, I could ride my bicycle to the beach with my buddies. I mean, it was, you know, you grow up in Southern California in the 60s. I mean, what a beautiful life that was, right? Well, when I was, a, when I turned 11 and the summer of 1964, on the first day of summer, my mom comes in and goes, David, come in the kitchen. My, your dad and I need to speak with you. And I go in and I sit down and my mom puts her hand on my hand like this. And she looks at me with tears in her eyes. And she says, David, we need to tell you something. And what we need to tell you is we're not your parents. What, 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 what the hell does that mean? What do you mean you're not my parents? Of course you're my parents. That's like saying, you know, the sky's not blue. Sure it is. I'm looking at it, right? So it was very confusing. Um, and so that was a real turning point in my life when they told me that. In fact, she went on to tell me, she said, you know, your aunt Dean, I'm like, yeah. And she goes, she's actually your biological mother. And I remember thinking, I don't even like her. Right. And the reason I didn't like her is because she was always touching me. Not in an inappropriate way, but anytime she was around me, she wanted to sit next to me. She wanted to hug me. She wanted to kiss me. She wanted to hold me. Well, duh, I was her son. But I didn't know that, right? I didn't. I wasn't putting two to two together there. I I had no idea. I just thought that it was always, you know, she was always like all over me, you know. Uh, and of course, you know, obviously after I learned that, I I put two and two together. Well, shortly after they told me all this, by the way, let me back up. When I was five and they adopted me, they both stopped drinking. I think they might have recognized that they had a problem with alcohol way back way back then. And shortly after they told me this, they both started drinking. I mean, literally within a couple of weeks of them telling me this, they started drinking. And man, that's when things took a really hard turn. Because this really wonderful guy, Bob Albin, who's now my uncle, but is, you know, he's been my dad. Man, when he drank, whew, he turned into a really ugly human. Mom, you know, Pat would drink. Uh, but she, I think she was just drinking to try to keep up with Bob. She wasn't as mean and as nasty as he was. Now, in his defense, being a military officer, he had been working in the Pentagon. We came out in 1963 in the Bay of Pigs, right, with all the missile crisis and the missiles that were in uh, Cuba and all that missile crisis thing was going on. Uh, Kennedy had just been assassinated in November of 1963. So the country was in turmoil, that's for sure. And so maybe it was a combination of that and the pressure, and all of a sudden now he's not my dad, whatever. I just know that they both started drinking. Well, they left one day. They went to the store, wherever they went. You know, back in those days, you could do that, right? You, you leave your kids home. It was no big deal. Uh, you just call the neighbor across the street and say, hey, uh, Karen, uh, Bob and I are going to the grocery store. David's home. If he needs anything, can he come knock on your door? Yeah, of course. Tell him to come over now. I'll make him a bologna sandwich, you know. So um, uh, that's how things worked back then. Yeah. So when they left, I knew where the booze was. They were hiding it in plain sight. It was in a cabinet right there in the kitchen. I went over, opened the cabinet, took out that big old bottle, half gallon, I guess it was, of brandy. And I'm just looking at it. And I'm like, what is this stuff? Why is it that when they drink this, they turn into these really ugly people? So I said, well, let's find out. And I poured it about half full in a coffee cup, Constantine, and guess what? Boom! Down it went. Well, you know what, bro? I never had a chance. 
I was an alcoholic right on the spot at 11 years old because I started thinking alcoholically, like hiding it. And I wanted more and how, you know, and, you know, the whole game of alcoholism. And, you know, because when I drank it and it got into my system, it was like pouring rocket fuel in me. It was, you know, I felt like I could, you know what I mean? You feel like you're strong and you can do this and you can do that. And, you know, the whole lie really is what it is. And that progressed. It just got worse and worse and worse. I drank more. I drank more. And again, this was at 11. And by the time I was a teenager, I was doing hard drugs. By the time I got to high school, my junior year, um, uh, you know, at the very beginning of the year, probably within a month of my junior year, they, they pulled me into the principal's office and said, Alvin, you're out. We're expelling you from our school. And I was violent. I was dangerous. They, they did the right thing. Get him out of here. And so I left and I literally went and got a job that day uh, at the biggest grocery store in the state of California. And I joined the retail clerks union. And so within about a year of me getting that job, um, I was making like $8 an hour. Now, keep in mind, man, this is in like 1972. Eight dollars an hour is like what now? Eight thousand? I mean, I it's a lot. It's a lot, right? Yeah, it's a ton. And so, you know, I bought a I bought a, a Mach One Mustang. Um, I moved out of my house with my parents. Um, I got my own apartment in Belmont Shore, California, which is a really cool place in Southern California. Uh, Elton John lived down there in the, you know, uh, close to Belmont Shore. Hey, it's Constantine here. And I want to take a brief moment to truly thank you for being a part of this incredible journey of transformation. You are the reason we are creating this content. I see you and I appreciate you. Your support truly means the world to me. I want to ask you for a small favor. I'd love for you to join our mission by hitting like, subscribe, or leaving a thoughtful comment or review. Your engagement helps others discover these insights and together we can continue to unlock the power of authenticity and personal transformation. And if you want to reach out directly to me, send me an email at constantine at unleashedyself.com. I value any and all feedback. Thank you for being a part of this movement. Now, back to the episode. So it was a really cool place. And so my life, though, was kind of good. I was making money, but, you know, it was also really bad on the other side. And so I got married. I got divorced. I got married again. I got divorced. And the second wife literally got me out of California. By the time I was in my, in my, mid, in my early to mid-20s, I was in a lot of trouble. I was dealing with people that, uh, let's just say they weren't real nice people. And if you didn't pay them back their money, uh, they, they would teach you a really, really intense lesson. I'll just leave it at that. And so I relocated to the East Coast. And then uh, after my second divorce, I met a bartender. <laughs> Imagine that, right? Uh, and she had three kids. And I got married. And I love these kids. And I thought, you know, if you get married, maybe you'll settle down with these three kids. I mean, that was my intention. And, you know, of course, that didn't work. You know, you, you have to quit for, you know, other reasons, if you will, more powerful reasons. And so on June 8th, man, of 1988, after all the alcohol, all the drugs, heroin, cocaine, all of it, when I woke up that morning, that was threshold for me. That was it. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm in so much physical and emotional pain 
All I want is it to stop. And the only way I thought of doing that is put a bullet in your head, right? Because I didn't, I wasn't wrestling with there's a heaven or hell or no, I'm in pain. I want it to stop and this will stop it. And it dawned on me that I've got three kids. I was living in the basement. The rest of the family was upstairs. They were pretty much staying away from me. Um, And I remember going, dude, if you kill yourself, if you pull that trigger, you know what? You're killing those three kids too. Because they're going to live. They're the ones that have to deal with the aftermath of you killing yourself, right? Because, you know, the cops are coming, the morgue's coming, the investigation. It's going to permeate through school all around the neighborhood. I mean, this was all going through my head. And I remember thinking, dude, you can't do that. That's wrong. And, you know, we kind of know today when somebody commits suicide, you kill everyone else around you. And so in a moment of compassion, I thought, I said, okay, you can't do that. Come up, come up with another plan, man. Do something different. Well, the next thing I know, the thought in my head was call Alcoholics Anonymous. And you know, and you know what's interesting about that? I didn't know who AA was. I had no references, nothing. I didn't know anybody that was in AA. I'd never been to an AA meeting. I have no idea where that, where that thought came from, yet there it was. And so I followed through. I called Intergroup. And I got a woman on the phone who was willing to talk to me. And I affectionately to this day name her Madge. And the reason I call her Madge is because she talked like this. She she probably smoked two packs of Palm Oil non-filters a day. <laughs> really raspy voice. I'll never forget. And that that beautiful soul saved my life. Because she was drilling me, man. She was in my face because she's the gatekeeper. Right. She's the person who's going to call someone to come pick me up if she thinks it's valid. Right. So you've got to prove to her that you're worthy of that phone call. Well, apparently I must have been I must have done a pretty good job because the next thing that happens is here comes this guy named Lauren pulls up to my house. I get in the car with him and he took me to an all men's group of Alcoholics Anonymous called the Stepping Stones Group of Alcoholics Anonymous in Fairfax, Virginia. And he stayed with me all day. I went to four meetings that day. I went to a, uh, a 12.30, a 4.30, a 6.30, and an 8.30 meeting. And when I was there, they gave me what's called the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And on they just opened up the front page where it was blank. And they wrote in there, before you take that first drink, call one of us. And they wrote their first name and their phone number. And they gave me that book when they sent me home that night. Well, I went home that night and miraculously, I didn't take a drink. How I got through that night, I have no idea. Eight o'clock the next morning, my phone rings and it's John from AA. And he's like, hey, Dave, good morning. How are you doing this morning? And I'm like, how do you think I'm doing? I want to kill somebody. And I might start with you, pal. <laughs> Calling me 8 o'clock in the morning. And John's like, yeah, 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 I hear you. No problem. He goes, look, um, let me come do this. Let me come pick you up. Let's go to breakfast. And, and I'll take you to a meeting. And, and that's how it started, man. You know, perfect strangers willing to give me everything. And willing to just grab me and hold me and and help me and talk to me and encourage me and inspire me and teach me about the steps and teach me about sponsorship and teach me about how to live your life sober one day at a time. 
And so two days turned into a week, and a week turned into a month. And when I got to a month, they gave me one of these, a medallion. It said one month of sobriety. And then I got one at two months, three months, six months, nine months. Gave me another one at a year. And this last June 8th here in 2023, I picked up one for 35 years. So I'm one of the ones that got to AA and it stuck. I fell in love with AA. (laughs) AA became my new drug, if you will. Um, I was addicted to it, you know, because it was such a warm, welcoming, incredible group of men and women who were there to basically not only stay sober themselves, but to help another alcoholic achieve sobriety. That's how it works. And so, you know, what's interesting about that is that, you know, the only place I ever really felt at home was a gringy, shitty little bar somewhere uh, uh, where it was dim lighting and you didn't see anybody. You could just sit there and drink for an AA meeting. And um, so so what happened there was um, I was up late at night all the time in my early days of sobriety because I had insomnia. Oh, my gosh. You know, my, my sleep patterns were all over the place. And, you know, you're recovering. You're recovering physically, mentally, spiritually. You know, it takes a long time to get that alcohol out of your body. And so, again, you know, I'm up late at night all the time. Well, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm up late one night watching TV. And guess who's on the television? Tony Robbins. (laughs) Tony Robbins. There he is. Mr. Motivation himself. Gunthy Ranker, right? Selling his 30-day program called Personal Power. And when I first listened to him, I'm like, what an ass, man. I don't like this guy. I couldn't stand him because he's all motivated and encouraging. And I'm not motivated, right? I'm miserable. And he said a couple things, though, that really got me, man. One of them, he said, you know, we'll do more to avoid pain than we will to gain pleasure. And I thought, whoa, okay, well, that's kind of why I drank. Because I was either trying to avoid pain or gain pleasure. And I did that for a long time, and it didn't do either one, right? That is That had escaped me uh, a, a long time before I actually decided that, you know, it was time to quit. And uh, But the other thing he said that really got me was, the way we make decisions in our life is we're motivated out of inspiration or desperation. And I remember thinking, whoa, okay, he's got my number. I mean, because I'm pretty desperate, right? And so, yeah, so I bought it. Pulled out my American Express card, bought it over the phone, and they sent it to me. came in a big box, and it came on these little white things called cassette tapes. Right? Most of your listeners won't even know what those things are, man. Uh, if you go to the Smithsonian, you can see them. They're right there next to reel-to-reel and 8-track and tapes. <laughs> so, um, so I plugged them in, man. And I listened to him, and I went through the program from start to finish. I did what Tony taught me to do, and it worked. And so I started making it. Not only was I changing my life with the 12 steps and the encouragement of AA, but now I'm being introduced to the personal development industry, right, which is a really magical connection. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I was literally the only one in my group, in my home group, right, uh, that was, you know, getting involved in the personal development industry. In fact, one of my buddies came to me one day. He goes, what's wrong with you, man? You're all motivated and shit all the time, right? You know, you look good. You lost a lot of weight. You've been working out. You started your own business. You know, you really seem to, you know, you're really getting your life together. 
And uh, I said, well, well, you know, thanks, man. But I've been listening to this guy by the name of Tony Robbins. And he goes, I know who Tony Robbins is. I've got his book. He goes, I, never, I haven't read it, but I bought the book. Well, maybe you ought to read it. <laughs> and I go, listen, I've got his tape program. And I'll loan it to you if you promise me you'll go through it. He said, I promise. There you go. So I gave it to him. Well, this is in 1988, maybe 89, somewhere in that area. Seven years later, my phone rings. And guess who it is? It's my buddy, Dan. And he's like, hey, man, um, did you know that Tony Robbins is coming to town? I'm like, no, I had no clue. He goes, dude, come on. We got to go. You got me into this. He goes, will you go with me? And I go, well, what's the date? Yeah, okay, I'm available. He goes, great, you'll go? Yep, I'll go. He goes, great, I'll call you back. I'll make all the arrangements. So he calls me back like an hour later, and he goes, done. We pick up, here's what they told us to do. We're going to pick up the tickets at Will Call. Um, they said, uh, drink a lot of water for the, for the days prior to the event. You want to stay really hydrated. You want to bring snacks to the event because we're going to spend a lot of time in the room. What an understatement that was. Um, and then he was like, and so uh, they told us to, to bring a good attitude and be ready to play full out. I said, Dan, how much was the ticket? He said, $695. I went, $700? He goes, yeah, man, don't worry. You can pay me back. Well, this is in 1995. Yeah. What's $700 worth today? $7 million? I mean, I don't even know. Right? It was just a lot of money in 1995. That's all I knew. And I'm like, so don't worry. I'll play full out. And just as he's getting ready to get off the phone, he goes, oh, wait. I, got, I forgot to tell you the best part. He said, we're going to be doing a fire walk. <laughs> and I, the first thought that jumped through my head was, oh, hell no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not doing no fire walk. I mean, this is just playing in my head, right? Oh, sure. I'm not saying anything to Dan. I don't want him to know him. I, I'm a chicken or I'm a coward, right? But I'm thinking, no, this isn't going to happen. Well, you know what's interesting about that? I didn't know what a fire walk was. What the hell was that? I had no references. I don't, you know, I, I knew nothing, but it just didn't sound like anything I wanted to do. And fear had been controlling my life forever, right? Because what did fear mean to me in that moment? Forget everything and run, right? Total opposite of where it is today. Yeah. So, but I just said, no, well, we get to the event and Tony takes the stage at two o'clock in the afternoon. Well, the next thing I know, it's after midnight. I've been in a room. We've been in a room along with 3,500 other people. We've been in a room with Robbins for 10 hours, right? Bring snacks. <laughs> if you don't, you'll starve to death. <laughs> um, and so we're sitting there. All of a sudden, Tony goes, take your shoes off. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> uh-uh, pal. I I see where you're going with that, right? You're not tricking me. I ain't taking my shoes off. Well, I'm looking around, and 3,500 people, guess what they're doing? They're taking their shoes off. It's off, yes. <laughs> wow, wow, so right? funny. And I'm, and I'm like, no, no, people, no, don't. Don't don't go towards the light, right? <laughs> and they're taking their, feet, their shoes off, so guess what? So now Davy Boy here has got a dilemma. Are you going to take your shoes off or not? Because if you don't, because he's getting ready to take you out into this big giant parking lot 
where they facilitate the firewalk. And so if I don't take my shoes off, people are going to notice me. Hey, look at that guy over there. He didn't take his shoes off. He's a chicken jet, right? So I'm like, well, look, just take your shoes off. You can fake it. Nobody's going to know. When you get out there, just go hide in the back. Again, nobody's going to know other than me. Well, it gets worse. Because <laughs> before, before we start to go outside, Tony gets everybody chanting and clapping. So now you've got 3,500 people walking outside going, yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, and I walk out there going, no, uh-uh, ain't going to happen. What gets worse. Because <laughs> when you actually physically get outside, he's got African drummers. Right? So now it's everybody's clapping and chanting and the drums are dun, 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 dun. I mean, Constantine, what a dog and pony show this is, right? It's un- unbelievable. It's intense. <laughs> it's, it's super, super intense. So I go and I hide out. I you know position myself in the very back, right? Well, to facilitate a firewalk for 3,500 people, they built a giant fire over in the corner uh, of the parking lot. And it's probably 30, 40 feet wide. And it's probably every bit of 70 feet long. And they just stoke it with wood all day long. Just cords and cords and cords of wood. Well, after 10 hours, it, it renders. It leaves this giant, beautiful, blue flame pile of coals. It's gorgeous, right? And so what they did is they would go over there with wheelbarrows and they would load the wheelbarrows with coals and then they pull a wheelbarrow in between two lanes of sod. They call it a fire lane. And so the grass is three feet wide, maybe 15 to 18 feet long. And all they do is take a flathead shovel and they just sprinkle those coals on top of the grass and that's what you walk on. Well, again, I'm having none of it. I'm hiding out in the back. Well, Tony Robbins knows. He did his research. He knows that firewalking is literally one of the most life-changing experiences on earth that any human can go through. It's been around for a thousand years if you study it. Culturally, the Fahitians, the people of India, the, the Polynesians, the Hawaiians, the people of Spain, Portugal, the Native American Indians, the Indo-Europeans. You know, the Indo-Europeans, before the men would go into battle, they did a firewalk the night before just to create the unity and the camaraderie, right? So he knows it's a life-changing experience, and he doesn't want anybody to miss out because it can be a, an absolute life-changer, a game-changer in your life. And so he knows there's people like me. He knows there's cowards. He gets it. He knows. So what's he do? Trains people to come find us. So literally... Here comes this guy, and he and he and he gets and he sees me right. I must have stuck out like a sore thumb, right? He he looked at me and and he made eye contact. And I think Tony trained him purposely. When you make eye contact with these people, don't take your eyes off of them. So he gets pretty close to me, right? He gets maybe twenty feet from me, and he kind of looks at me really funny, right? He kind of tilts his head and he goes, "Are you okay?" And when we're not okay, we lie. What do we say? Oh, I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah, nothing to see here, pal. Move along. Well, he he looked at me and he said, so, hey, man, are you going to walk tonight? And I said, absolutely not. 
<laughs> right? With that kind of tone, right? And he goes, hey, man, that's cool. Hey, that's no problem. We don't want you to do anything you don't want to do. But let me ask you something. So here's a stranger, a perfect stranger, going to ask me a question. Changes my life forever. And by the way, you know what? I don't know who this guy is to this day. I have no idea. All I know is that, you know, without him, I'm not where I am today. I'm certainly not on the Unleash Thyself podcast, <laughs> right? We know that. And the question he asked me was, wouldn't you at least like to watch? And I thought, well, yeah, sure. This should be entertaining. Let's go watch these people burn their feet off. And he said, well, you can't see anything from where you are. Literally, I had 3,500 people standing in front of me. I couldn't see anything. I could see the big fire glowing. I could hear the drums. Dun, 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 dun. I could hear everybody chanting and yelling, you know, yes, yes. And they were already firewalking at this point. And I could hear them screaming in the uh, celebration area. You know, they're jumping up and down and screaming and celebrating. I mean, bro, it's unlike anything you could ever imagine. I've never been around anything like this before in my life other than a Tony Robbins seminar. All right, so I get in line, right? Uh, I fell for the bait. Um, and so uh, I'm kind of walking along, and I'm walking along. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up to me. And he whispers in my ear. And he said, he knows when you're ready. When he says go, you go. And pew, this guy just disappeared into the night. And I'm like, what was that? Who was that? What the hell was that about? You know, again, you know, everything's going, right? Your your brain's like, what a dog and pony show. And I'm kind of walking along and walking along. And I still got hundreds of people in front of me. I can't see anything. But I get to a point where I can see it at an angle. And I look and I go, oh, my gosh, they're actually doing this. Every race, every creed, every color, every age, they are walking on fire. And my question is, Why? What, what what on earth would you want to do this for? You know, metaphorically, what's happening here? So you got no answers for it, right? But you're mesmerized by watching it. <clears throat> it's kind of like, you know, you come to a car accident and, you know, we're not supposed to look at it. What do we do? We, we stare do. at it. Same thing here. I can't take my eyes off this. And I am just in a trance. And all of a sudden, I'm walking along. I'm walking along. I'm walking along. I'm watching. All of a sudden, boom. Guess where I am? I'm at the I'm at the front of the line, and I'm staring down, and I look at the fire lane, right, which is, you know, three feet wide, 15, 18 feet long. Coals are on there. They're glowing bright red. There's a wheelbarrow right there. You can feel the heat coming off of it, and I'm staring into the abyss, and my heart is pumping so hard. I'm, it feels like it's going to jump out of my chest. I'm scared to death. Well, there's a trainer standing there. And all of a sudden, the trainer goes, eyes up. Like, oh, shit. Like, he yelled at me, right? And I'm like, okay, so now my eyes are up. Well, when I was in a room with Robbins for 10 hours, guess what he teaches you to do? Keep your eyes up. Don't stare at what you fear. Look to the celebration end. That's where the reward is. So now my eyes are up. And uh, he said, squeeze your fist and say yes. And I went, yes. And he went stronger. And I went, yes. Well, he could tell I was not in a peak state. I was leaving a lot on the table. So he screamed at me, stronger. And so now I'm kind of like ticked off, right? 
threw my hands in the air and I screamed yes as loud as I could. And the trainer goes, go, go, go. I took off. Well, well, well. Here's the first thing I learned about fire walking. When you take the first step, oh, you'll take the second, third, fourth, and fifth. I guarantee you, right? You, you don't stop. Well, Tony positions two people at the end, and they lock arms. And they're like, stop you. They're like, stop, wipe your feet and celebrate. And so now I'm wiping my feet, and I'm kind of celebrating, and all of a sudden I realize, oh, my gosh, I've burnt myself really, really bad. And I, and I look at my foot, and it's dirty, but there's no burns. Oh, it's my other foot. And I look at it, and it's dirty, but there's no burns. And now I'm going, whoa, wait a minute here. I just walked on hot coals that are 1,000 degrees, and I didn't burn myself, and I didn't hurt myself. And I felt absolutely unstoppable. At that moment in my life, I'm sharing that experience with all these thousands of other people. You, you know, I'm like, okay, well, what else can we do, right? What else you want to get us to do? Where's Everest? Let's go climb that. <laughs> and, and But that's what you're feeling. It's, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's such an awesome, awesome feeling. It's, all I, it's the only way I can really describe it. Well, but here's where it gets real, real interesting. The next day. Right. This is a four day event. This is called UPW Unleash the Power Within the Firewalk Experience. This is day one. That night we did the firewalk. Coming into day two, we're all in the foyer, 3,500 people. They're staging us to take us into the venue. And to this day, I've never seen anything more beautiful and more gorgeous in my life. People were getting along humanistically unlike anything I'd ever experienced. They were laughing, they were hugging. They were crying. They were talking about the firewalk. They were talking about it changing their lives. And, and, and our self-worth, our self-confidence, and our self-belief about ourselves were all raised together collectively. It's kind of like a near-death experience that we all participated in. So there's a connection there, vibration there, that's absolutely magnificent. Well, later in the event, I met one of Tony's trainers guy by the name of Ted Macy, super, super, super guy. Him and his lovely wife, Mary, were both trainers for Tony. So I'm talking to Ted, and, and he's telling me about a whole bunch of stuff. And, and I'm like, man, this must be awesome. You get to come play and be part of this event all the time? He goes, yeah. He goes, I mean, it is, man. He goes, it's, it's an unbelievable, it's total immersion, man, because you get to come be part of this and around this. And it's definitely going to influence you. It's definitely going to rub off on you. And he goes, and as a matter of fact, you see all those people over there with the black shirts that have got the pink writings on the back? I'm like, yeah. He goes, they're volunteers. They're just like you. They are people that came to a firewalk and then have come back to volunteer and help with the events. He goes, so if that's something you think you might want to do, when you get home, call Robin's Research. And they'll send you an application to become a crew member, volunteer crew member. And uh, so I did that. And uh, about seven weeks after I turned in that letter, I got a letter in the mail. And it said, Dave Albin, congratulations. You've been selected to, to crew with the Anthony Robbins Companies in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Well, my foot was in the door. No pun intended. 
And, and that, I crewed probably five or six times. And, you know, you're spending a couple of grand every time you do that. Because you got to pay your airfare, depending on where the event is. you got to pay for your hotel. you got to pay for all your travel. you got to pay for everything. So it's easily a couple thousand bucks. Well, after I think, again, five or six events, um, I got offered a subcontracting position. So, you know, my application showed that I was uh, ex-military and that I had a security background. And so they offered me a position to help take care of Tony's celebrity, which was crazy awesome, right? And then because I lived on a farm and I knew how to use tools and log splitters and could drive a tractor, stuff like that, uh, they put me on the fire building team. And then they put me on as the assistant captain. Now, this was all happening in 95, 96, and 97. Well, 2003, my life took another turn. Uh, Tony brought me in, and he offered me the captain's position, which just meant that I would be in charge of all of Tony's firewalks globally. Wow. Yeah, right. I mean, are you kidding me? Um, And and because... um, you know, I, I originally declined it because I homeschooled my kids and they said, Oh, okay. Well, we kind of missed that. Um, so what if we paid to have your kids travel with us? Would that make a difference? Well, yeah, that could probably make a difference. And so sure enough, man, uh, my kids got to travel with their dad and their mom. My mom would help them with their schoolwork while we were at events and, uh, their very first event, uh, was just a horrible experience. They had to go to this crappy city called Sydney, Australia. Um, and of course I'm being very facetious. So yeah. So my kids, very first event was Sydney. And then the next thing, you know, we're, we're all over the world. Uh, that was in 2003, 2005, we went to London and we set a world record. We firewalked 12,300 people. Um, now, I want to disclose, full disclosure here, Guinness Book of World Records was not there. So it wasn't documented. But here's what I can tell you. There's never been a firewalk anywhere close to 12,300 people, unless, of course, we're talking about another Tony Robbins seminar. Um, so, you know, talk about just a magical experience every time you would do a firewalk. Um, in 2014, my life took another turn. I'm driving down the road. My phone rings and it's Google. And they're like, are you the Dave Alvin that does the firewalks for Tony Robbins? I'm like, yeah, what can I do for you? And they said, well, if you're not under any contractual obligation or non-compete, we'd like to talk to you about hiring you. I'm just like, well, you know, homeboy's a free agent, man. What you got going on? And so they had a, uh, they had a, an event uh, that was a nine-month curriculum that 148 executives, at Google executives, had gone through. And this was going to be their graduation. And they were going to have a big lunch, a celebration. And they wanted to anchor in the experience with a firewalk. Well, they wanted to do it in the middle of the day. And I said, nope, Dave will not do it in the middle of the day. It's a safety issue. Um, I've got to be able to see the color of the coals. And it, there's just a lot to that. I said, however, we could do a glass walk and I'll show them how to walk on broken glass. They're like, what? Oh, okay. Tell us about that. <laughs> so they ended up hiring, hiring me to do the glass walk. Um, and then uh, we did one the following year as well. But that's when the light bulb went off. After talking with Google, they convinced me that there's a huge marketplace out there 
for corporate team building experiences at this level, right? Something, a paradigm shift is created because, you know, we know what doesn't challenge you doesn't change you. So you go sit in a seminar for five hours and you don't get up and do anything. It's probably not going to be life changing. So sure enough, uh, they convinced me. So Firewalk Productions was uh, born in 2014 after my encounter with Google. And then after that, you know, next thing I know, I'm at NASA. Uh, I'm at Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Remax, Chick-fil-A, the Entrepreneur Organization, Microsoft, Heineken. I mean, it, and it grew organically. And so last year, uh, after, you know, all this incredible success and in working with all these major companies and private individuals and celebrities, it came to my attention from a really good friend of mine who's an entrepreneur. He said, hey, man, have you ever thought about opening an academy where you could bring people in and teach them what you know? And then they can literally go back in their own com- in their own companies and facilitate these experiences and help keep their people motivated and inspired. And I went, ooh, I kind of like that. The timing was good too because I had a, a grandson that was uh, you know pretty young, and I and I and I had a granddaughter that was in the oven, who was coming. And I thought, wow, what a way to create a legacy for them, and it'll also free me up to spend more time with my family. So it's it's a win win situation. And so that happened. In fact, our next academy is coming up in October of this year. So, yeah, man. So life has been pretty spectacular. Wow. What a journey, Dave. I could listen to you for days here, sharing your stories and your knowledge, inspiring. And of course, sad at times. And we realize the challenges we have to go through to be able to come on the other side. But what stuck with me from everything you've said so far at the, at the very top, is this idea that you didn't pull yourself out alone. You had all these beautiful souls around you, people that you oh, didn't gosh, know yeah. that landed the hand. Yeah. So it's also that love, compassion, empathy that you were able to come to where you are today. And then also you're doing the same thing to others. Yes. So that that's a powerful reminder for all of us that you don't know the power of your words or your actions towards someone else, especially when they're kind words. And it could be, of course, the opposite as well when you're leading from a place of fear. Yeah. So, you know, you wouldn't be here today if you didn't have a phone call with Madge, right? Or have met a couple of the people at the AA, right? So that's that's so beautiful, Dave. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for yeah. being vulnerable and, and sharing that. So magnificent. Yeah, my so, pleasure. Let's talk more about firewalking. Why, why do you think it's so powerful? Why does it get you so... Pam Taba, why does it connect you so much with other people as well that you are sharing that experience with? Um, well, I think it goes back to something I said earlier, and that is it's kind of like a near-death experience. When you take a group of people, uh, let's take a group of people that um, aren't getting along in a company right now. They're fighting yeah. over masks, let's say, or they're fighting over vaccines, or they're fighting over the political landscape, or they're just, you know, maybe it's a combination of all of it. And there was a time where they were all getting together. They liked each other. They communicated humanistically. And then they, let's say they got ripped apart because of, oh, maybe a certain pandemic. Um, well, guess what happens? Production goes poop. And when production goes down, profitability goes down. And the CEO, he or she, has got to figure out how to fix it. So what do they do? What are you going to do? Take them golfing? 
You're going to take them on a scavenger hunt? I mean, you know, what are you going to do? So Navy SEALs don't become Navy SEALs by sitting in a classroom. Because, again, what doesn't challenge you doesn't change you. You know, there's a reason they take the Navy SEALs as part of their training out and do the night swim. And they put them in the ocean off the coast of uh, uh, San Diego. And there's like 30 different species of sharks. And they tell them that. But what do they do? They teach them how to deal with a shark. If a shark comes up on you, don't back down. You back down, you lose. Um, and same thing in life. So, the, you know, metaphorically. So when you take a bunch of people, and here's what I've done. I took the firewalk to another level. And here's how I did it. I include the board break experience. Right? It's a simple martial arts move. Anybody that's been in martial arts has broken a board with their bare hand because when they graduate in belts, right, when you get your white belt, yellow belt, green belt, blue, purple, up to brown and black, um, they typically will break a board with their bare hand. So they'll use their, they'll use their palm, they'll use their elbow, they'll use their knee, they'll use their foot. And so what, what we did is I took that experience and here's what I do. I have them write something on front of the board that they need to, that they want to move towards, a goal, if you will. I have them write anything on the back of the board that they need to move away from. We've all got something that we're doing that we know we shouldn't be do it, doing. Write it on the back of the board. It stops tonight. The third thing I do is I have them write anybody's name on the board that they're in conflict with. So if forgiveness or reconciliation is part of that relationship, then write their name on the board. It ends tonight. Stop carrying that around. That's, that's not beneficial to you. Let it go. Forgive them and move on. And that's coming right out of AA, <laughs> right? We, we know how powerful forgiveness is. Absolutely. We also know how powerful resentment is and what it can do to you, right? And then the other thing that I do that creates the rite of passage side of the firewalk is I have them write anybody's name on the board that they've lost. So now I invite that ancestral energy to the firewalk by writing their name on the board. So we take them outside, they break the board, we circle them back, they do the firewalk, and then they come back and then they add that board to the fire. So that's a big, giant, emotional uh, experience fully. They're all in, you know, their brain is like in the moment. It's all going on right now. We get it on video. We get it, get the pics for them. And then uh, at the end of that, I do something also really powerful. And that is I do what's called, I call it the Ho'oponopono heart hug. And so what we do is we, we hug the opposite way that we normally do. Yes. So we embrace and you hold on, close your eyes. And so now you're holding another human being. And, and for a lot of people, that's really super uncomfortable. And the question is, why? It should be the total polar opposite. So if you're uncomfortable, that tells you something that's going on in your head. Let's fix it. So now you're hugging and I have them take three cleansing breaths. So I have them take a real deep breath in and hold it. And I'm telling, hold it, hold it. And I bring my voice down. And then they start to relax. And then, I, and then I have them exhale. Then I have them take another deep breath in and get all that air and oxygen down into their diaphragm. And then 
when they're either coming into that second breath or exhaling on that second breath, something magical happens. Their hearts calibrate and start beating at the same time. And once that connection's made, boom, now you're connected. So like you've got a whole bunch of people here standing doing this and all of a sudden all of them, their hearts start connecting at the same time. Super, super, super powerful. And then, so once I've done it once, I kind of look at the group and go, yeah, they need to do it again. And I'm going to keep getting them to do it until I get them out of here and get them here. Yes. And once I got them here, we got them. And then basically I hand them back over to the CEO and say, there you go. Let's see how they play together on Monday morning. Then the other thing that we do is we give them one of these. And wow. what is it? It's the calls from the firewalk. It's the calls, okay. It's the calls from the firewalk. And it can say anything here, Constantine, you want it to say, right? I firewalked in 2023 with Google or NASA or whoever, right? So we can can brand it, obviously, with the customer's uh, name. And then you would not believe what people say and speak about these, you know, after, you know, a week or a month or even a year um, you know, they, they, this, they like, you know, they treat, they treat it like a baby, man. And they put it on their credenza. They stick it on the, on their desk. Uh, it's a really, really super powerful way, uh, you know, to connect them so that they see what they did every, every day. And back to your question, what happens? Well, because if you walk on coals that are a thousand degrees, what else can you do? What other lies have you been telling yourself? Right. Because fear, you know me, I just told the story of coming into the firewalk. Nope, not doing it. Hell no. Uh, 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 uh. Wouldn't you like to watch one stranger? Can you imagine this guy, one stranger asked me one question and then look what I did after that. Wow. It's unbelievable. It, it is. And, you know, it kind of saddens me that, I mean, I know it's okay, but I mean, some guy walking around out there has no idea that he influenced one man who has influenced a half a million people. And how many did those people influence, right? You nailed it, right? So what did they go do in one guy? So I'm just hoping that, you know, he got a whole bunch of really good mojo in his world. Simply guys like, well, why are all these really great things happening to me? Well, maybe it's because you influenced that guy who influenced that person, those people, all, all of them collectively who influenced, you know, several million people, you know, never underestimate what a small group of people can do to change the world. Indeed. It's the only thing that ever has, right? Because I believe that the two most important times of somebody's life is the moment they were born and the moment they figure out why that guy who asked me that question, I believe had figured that out. He knew. He knew he had a very, really important job. He needed to make sure to get every single person across that fire that he possibly could because he knew it was going to transform their life at a really, really high level. You know, uh, one of my mentors um, said to me, he said a lot of things to me over the years, but one of the things he said to me one time uh, was, every human has two lives. And the second one starts when we realize we have only one, right? So yeah, that's, that's, that's really where, where that all comes from. So 
Yeah. It's collective consciousness. Yes. Together at the same time. They wrote all that stuff and their commitments and their and their convictions on the board. They broke the board with their bare hands. They came around. They did their fire walk. They added their board to the fire. They came back. Everybody's heart started being, beating at the same time. And their brain said, this is where humans are supposed to live. This is how we live. Um, you know, and, and this, a lot of that too rubbed off on me from AA. Because in the preamble of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says straight up, when anyone anywhere reaches out, I want the hand of AA to be there. And for that, I'm responsible. So, you know, I, I knew that I was in the right place doing the right thing, changing people's lives with the firewalk. And even though I questioned it along the way, because we do that, I remember flying out to Google for the first gig and I'm, I'm in the air and I'm, you know, I'm on my way to Mountain View, California. Right. And all of a sudden I got that little guy that jumps up on my shoulder and goes, you're a drug addict, alcoholic. What makes you think you can go do a, an event for Google? You're going to screw this up, right? The voice is in our head because literally life is really about state management, right? How well do you, how well do you manage your state? Well, as soon as that little guy jumped up on my shoulder there, my other little hero guy jumped up on my other shoulder and he said, Hey, uh, Dave, uh, let me remind you of something there, pal. Uh, you and Tony Robbins set a world record in London, and you firewalk 12,300 people. So tell that little asshole on your other shoulder that it shut the hell up. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. Yes. And I mean, that hero guy, that's the one we need to nurture. That's the one we need to bring up because I remember my earlier years, man. I never had a hero guy on my shoulder. It was always uh, the other one Yeah, that's allowing you, you know, that's keeping you down. That's keeping you in the spot that's not allowing you to become the best version of yourself. And it's what I say. It's on my website. Stop looking for heroes and be one. Yeah, it is. And so, again, you know, I don't know all the people that I've influenced and what they've done and what they're doing uh, to this day. But the bottom line is um, there's a lot of them that are doing really, really great things. And so, again, I believe if you help enough people get what they want in life, you'll always get what you want in life. I am beyond excited that you are finding value and inspiration here. Your support means everything to us. If you're watching this on YouTube, take a moment to click like, subscribe, or leave a thoughtful comment below. And if you're listening on our podcast platform, subscribe or leave a review, and it would mean so much to us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Unleash Thyself Today and TikTok at Unleash Thyself for daily insights and guidance on personal transformation. Your interaction helps others discover this content and fuels our mission to bring even more meaningful discussions your way. And on a personal note, I truly value and appreciate you and your thoughts. Now, let's dive back into this enriching exploration. There's so much more to uncover. Absolutely. So, I agree with that 100%. 100%, 100% Dave. Yeah. So speaking of that, I would imagine that you experiencing all these fireworks and seeing the transformation in people gives you so much more as well. How do you grow with every firework you do? Like, what does it do to you these days? Well, it's, you know, I think the first thing is such a strong sense of responsibility. You know, when I retired from Tony, we sat and talked for quite a while and we talked about all the things that we had done and what we had been and seen and all this. And, uh, um, you know, we were at 9-11 together on the big island of Hawaii. Um, and, and you know, uh, like 
one of the experiences, and there's been many of them, obviously one of the top experiences in my life when it comes to the firewalk was my kids. My daughter was six years old. My son was nine years old. And if you don't think an experience like that is going to influence them, you're wrong. Because <laughs> it does and it did. Uh, we were in uh, Secaucus, New Jersey at the New York event. And um, we, I, I turned my kids over to, to one of Tony's trainers, uh, Vicky St. George. And I said, Vic, will you work with the kids? And she said, oh, God, it would be, I'd be honored to do that. So she did. I didn't want to do it. I wanted someone else to do it. So she talked to him, got him ready. So we were doing the event and walking all the participants, and they were standing over in the shadows just waiting. And then once we walked all the, all the participants, Tony knew. And so he looked over and he said, you know, motion, come on, come on, let's do this. And here comes my, here comes my little six-year-old, you know, and my son, nine years old. And, um, and, 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 and my daughter walked up to the, to the lane. Then he walked up to the lane and Tony took her by one hand and I took her by the other hand. And, you know, we walked her across the fire and I looked at him and he looked at me and, you know, it's like, what an experience, you know, what a, what a gift. It was as much a gift for him as it was for me. And, you know, and she's over there, you know, she's all, you know, and then uh, Davey stepped up to the lane and uh, Tony bent down and here's what he said to him. He said, I love you and I love your daddy. Go, <laughs> right? Kids are easy, man. They don't have the limiting beliefs. Um, and so, you know, what a beautiful moment that was. Um, Tony and I were in uh, Tampa years ago and there was a young man there that uh, a collegiate athlete, high school collegiate athlete, and he got hit by a drunk driver and he lost both legs. So his life was changed that quickly. How, how, how quick you clean your life change in a heartbeat. And so he was obviously, you know, he was struggling that his identity was completely over. He had no identity. Can't run, can't play football, can't play baseball, can't wrestle, can't do this, can't do that. No girl's going to love him. He'll never have children. He'll never get married. I mean, you know, once you start stacking, you know, it just gets worse and worse. Well, one of his buddies said, hey, listen, man, Tony Robbins is coming to town. I think he might be able to help you. you you've, you've talked about him before anyway. Why don't you go? And so he did. Well, I don't know anything. I just know that we're at the firewalk. We're in Tampa. We're out there. The firewalk's going on. My job is I've got my wheelbarrow and I've got my coals and, you know, and I shovel his lane. I take care of Tony's lane. And all of a sudden, Tone stopped and he looked at me, gave me this weird look. Like, I think we're going to see some serious shit here in a minute. And I don't, I didn't, I couldn't see the, it's really dark out there. So you can't see all that well. Well, the next thing I know, there, there he is. I see him. And he's in this, I don't know, you know, he's in a wheelchair 2.0 or something because it's kind of like an aluminum one, whatever. It's kind of like, you know, he can move it and twist it. And, it's, you know, it's a pretty cool wheelchair. And um, all of a sudden, it's, he's there at the front of the lane and Tony bent down to say something to him. And, and, and this kid goes, no, go. I got this. And, and he positioned, he moved his wheelchair and he positioned his torso. And all of a sudden, whoop. <laughs> he came off of that thing, flipped, landed on his hands, and walked across the fire on his hands. And 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 Tony and I looked at each other, um, you know, after I helped him get back in his chair and did all that, kind of my job. Uh, Tony and I just looked at each other like, holy shit. I mean, you know, how often in life do you get to see or witness something like that? You know, what the human spirit is capable of. You know, when you see somebody firewalk 
and they're standing there and the fears on their face and the apprehension, they're scared to death. I know. <laughs> I know exactly what that fear felt like. And then all of a sudden, boom, they walk. And within, within what, four seconds? Now, now look at them. They're jumping up and down and they're celebrating. They're, you know, their whole life has been changed, transformed right there in four seconds. And so it's not a question if the firewalk works for me. I'm way, 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 way on the other side of that because not only did it did it for me, I've seen it do it for literally tens, hundreds of thousands of people. So, you know, the, the, the acronym for fear shifts immediately. It goes from forget everything and run to face everything and rise. Mm. Right? So now you're telling you something completely different. And you've got to be really careful about what you tell yourself. You know, Henry Ford spelled that out. If you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. No matter what you tell yourself. Your brain doesn't know the difference. So... I, one of the things, you know, sometimes people ask me, Dave, what's the one thing you can tell us? Don't ever say bad things about yourself. Ever. Stop. Don't do that. Because it's very detrimental to your, to your well-being and to your psyche. You got, in fact, you want to do the opposite. You know, you, you, you act as if it's already happened. Act as if your prayers have been answered. You know, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? What would you do if you didn't have the fear? And that's what that experience will do for you. So no wonder a CEO wants to come along and hire a guy like me. Because they, they're smart. They do the research. They know what's out there. That, that information's out there. And they come to me and you go, here, Dave, here's a check. Take care of it. Change my people. Clean it up when you're done. Thank you very much. And then there's those that, too, are like me. You know, they want to come and they want to learn. They want to learn how to do this, right? Like the glass walk, you know, obviously firewalking isn't always logistically possible for a variety of reasons. So we create the glass walk experience because that's easy. You know, I just, come, I just pull into town with a suitcase, <laughs> right? I don't need a permit. I don't need anything, right? I don't need to talk to a fire marshal. I don't need to talk to the venue. I don't need to talk to, you know, pretty much I pull in. Um. And I unfold it and I lay out the glass and, you know, I walk them across the glass. And I also include the arrow break with that experience. Okay. And again, because I want it to be a double whammy because the arrow break is where you put the arrow here in the soft spot of your neck. Mm. And then you put the arrow up against the wall and then you step through and you break it. Well, that's a super, super powerful experience for a woman who's been abused because if she's been choked or grabbed around the neck, or anything like that, that, because it's so proximity to the neck, it's a very, very powerful breakthrough experience. Um, so I like, you know, the arrow break um, with, with the glass walk. And again, it's a double whammy, right? You get two really powerful experiences, literally for the price of one, um, if you will. So, you know, again, it just comes back to sometimes people don't need a lot other than just a little bit of encouragement. Yes. Little it's tiny encouragement, right? Get everybody in mind how strong they are, right? Deep down. Exactly. What they have forgotten over all the years. Yeah, because, you know, if you want to know the truth, the truth is 
<clears throat> the chances of being born are one in 400,000, one in 400 trillion. What do you think that's luck? No, you're here for a reason. Cause you know, uh, the bottom line is if you look at things ancestrally, if you go back in your shot in your, in your, in your family heritage and your ancestral part of it, if you go back just 12 generations, how many people is that? And they played a role in you being here. Because without them, you're not here, right? Because you had to have parents. You had to have grandparents. <laughs> you had to have great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, great-great-great-grandparents all the way back. Well, back then, your great-grandparents, their life was a lot harder than ours is now. I mean, because when they got up every day, they had to go kill the rabbit. They had to go out in the fields and grow their food. They had to do everything. They had to sew their own clothes for the most part. So life was different. Life was really, really hard if you go back just a couple generations. But the number of people that are involved, just 12 generations, 4,094 people. 4,094 people went through incredible struggle, hardship, pain, suffering. And of course, there was good and joy and happiness and love and all that intermixed. But life itself was a whole hell of a lot harder than it is today. And so I kind of like what Grant Cardone said um, about this. He said, you know, in, in, in every ancestral, as it moves forward, there's typically somebody in that line of family who rises up. And, and, we're, and for that, I believe we're responsible. Look at my life. Man, I better be grateful for what I've got. I say it all the time. Look, if you find me and I'm not grateful, bitch slap me. <laughs> right? Because that's ridiculous. Uh, I sponsored this kid in AA one time, Mark. And uh, what a beautiful soul he was. Um, and he used to say all the time, if you're not grateful for today, what day are you waiting for? So, you know, just become a, just be a hero to somebody else. Be a hero to yourself. Yes. And just make good, solid decisions. Yeah, um, I mean, Dave, if you're, if you're going to be a hero to yourself, imagine who else is going to benefit from it, right? That's how I see it these days. You work on yourself. You get yourself to the state where you love yourself. You you know you're being the best version of yourself, and then everyone else around you will benefit. Yeah. And to your point from earlier, I don't even know how many lives you'll impact nope. for the better, which nope. is the beauty in this. You don't. I love doing – I love – you know, sometimes I say all the time, stop looking for magical moments and create them. Create a magical moment. How do you create a magical moment? It's real simple. Start thinking about it. Your brain will figure it out. Go into Walmart and act dumb. Standing as you're getting ready to check out, the candy's right there. And look at it and go, I have no idea. I don't know. And turn to the clerk and go, what's your favorite candy bar? I like Reese's peanut butter. Great. Grab two of them. And then go to her and then you pay for your, or him, and you pay for your, whatever you're bought at Walmart and tell them to ring these two Reese's peanut butter cups up separately and then get two receipts. Can I have an extra receipt for that Reese, those candy bars? You take, take a bag, you put the Reese's in there, you take the receipt, you put it in there and you hand it to them and you walk out of the store and don't say another word other than thank you. I appreciate you. Have a wonderful day. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Never thought of that. Well, that's because you never decided you wanted to create magical moments. Because when you make that decision, those thoughts will come to you. And the opportunity um, will show up all of a sudden. Yeah. And you know what? You're walking out the door. 
You know, you're just smiling like, well, okay. Did it make you feel good? Yep. Sure. Did it make them feel good? Absolutely. So, you know, just practicing random acts of kindness, it works. I am, I always look forward to uh, when the Girl Scouts start selling Girl Scout cookies at Lowe's or Walmart or these stores, right? I love it because I'll, I'll see them and they're all set up. And, you know, every time a potential customer walks up to, the, to their booth or to their table, right, the girls are all excited, right? Because if they sell just one box, they're really excited. It's a big deal, right? And I'll walk up and I'll say, hi, girls, how's sales going? Oh, pretty good, sir. And, and I'll turn to the, to the den mother, if you will, uh, or the den father, whoever's helping the girls at the table. And I'll say, hey, I want to buy some Girl Scout cookies, but um, it comes with a condition. And they're like, okay. I go, so, and, I, and I'll look at the girls and I go, I want to buy $100 worth. And they're like, oh, <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, $100 worth? And I'll tell, and then I turn back to the the person taking care of them. The den mother, if you will, is what I use. Because normally it's a a woman that's there doing it. And I'll say, so here's here's the deal. I'm going to buy $100 worth of cookies. I don't want the cookies. You're going to keep the cookies. And here's the condition. I want you to go find an old folks home. And I want you to call and get, you know, the manager on the phone. And see if there's anybody in there, in that home, men or women, who've been left to die. They don't get any visitors, in other words. And here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to take those cookies (laughs) and take those girls and get those girls to ask, you know, three or four really good questions and go in there and give those cookies and share those cookies with those people. Talk about an incredible, life-changing experience for a bunch of girls selling Girl Scout cookies. Because here comes this stranger, they don't know me, buys a hundred bucks worth of cookies, doesn't take the cookies, gives the cookies back to us so that we can go change someone else's lives. They can't undo that. You just programmed those kids, those girls, for what? In a very, very, very powerful way. Right? Same thing with a firewalk. When I do a fire walk, you know what? Here's what I know. They may not, you know, a year later, five years later, whatever, they may not remember my name, but they'll never forget the experience. Because people will forget what you said. They'll forget what you did, but they'll never, ever, ever forget how you made them feel. Um, And then a lot of times, you know, the mother's so taken back by that that act of kindness. It's like, you know, is there anything we can do for you? And I say, actually, there is. What's that? Can I go sit? down at the table with the girls and take a picture. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'd love to have a picture with you and my daughter. And so here's what happens. That pay it forward creates momentum because now that den mother will go tell everybody else what happened. Right? So next thing you know, it happens again. And I share this story all the time. And the reason I share it is because somebody out there in your audience right now is going to hear this and you know what they're going to do. They're going to go, wow, I like that. That's a really cool idea. I'm going to go do that. And I hope they do that. And I hope it makes them feel as good as it's made me feel over the years of doing it. Incredible, Dave. What what a beautiful way to pay forward. And you're absolutely right. Doing those acts of kindness, they do so much for the person doing it. And you don't even know what it does for the other person. And to be honest, it doesn't even matter how big of an impact it has. 
because you did it. And it's not about the expectation around it. It's not about, oh, I need them to get this out of it. Yeah. You get so much and that's that's all you need. Yeah. You're you know, you're leaving a legacy. You know, my kids have all seen this. They've seen me do this. When I go into a restaurant, I treat the server like he or she is a god, uh, a goddess or a king. Why? My mother, you know, when I was born, was a server at the Roosevelt Hotel working her butt off. And she taught me that servers get treated horribly. You know, you go into a restaurant and there's people out there that think they're better than that person. And eh, not in my world. Absolutely not. And I treat them like, you know, I've, I've made scenes in restaurants before. Uh, literally. I mean, I've gotten, I stood up on a chair and screaming, ladies and gentlemen, can I have your attention, please? As some of you know, Sydney is our server. She's been taking care of you and she's been, you know what I mean? And they're like, oh God. And my kids are all the time. I'll go, I'll be setting out to dinner. I go, I'm going to do it. They're like, oh dad, no. Oh, please, no, Dad. Not again, right? Um, yeah, I just do it uh, because it's a good thing to do. And you can change someone's life that way. Uh, I, You know, I've been in restaurants where, you know, I've been watching them. And people are treating them like dirt. I'll say something. I'm the type of guy that will go, what's, what's going on with you? Do you realize how hard she's working? You might want to just pick your happy ass up and go on out to the restaurant. I'll take care of your meal. Go. And then, you know, I mean, I've literally done this. Uh, we did this not too long ago. Uh, it was a few months ago. And there was a there was a man and woman in there, man, and they were treating a server like, and I couldn't take it. I just said, nope, I'm not doing it. And I'm not going to sit quietly by us. Not who I am. I'm a sheepdog. And if you're going to act like a wolf and you're going to, I'll bite you. And so then we brought her back to our table after I excused those people from the restaurant. And I I slid my daughter a $100 bill. And, and so my daughter gave her a hundred bucks and that was on top of a 30% tip. And the, but the part about it, this important was I wanted to talk to her and make sure that she understood that that had nothing to do with her. Yes. They were assholes when they walked in this restaurant and they were assholes when they left. So don't take it on. There's that's something going on in their world, you know, um, and so, you know, again, you, you're amazing. You did good work. You were very kind to them. You were very considerate and, you know, and now I just want to make sure that you don't take the brunt of that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, yeah, just, also just a reminder of how we all should be in our lives, right? Yeah. More considerate, more compassionate hundred percent to everyone. doesn't matter where you are in life and where they are. Nope. No matter what the race, creed, color, age, doesn't matter. Because the fire walk, the fire doesn't care what color your skin is. <laughs> fire, fire doesn't care what your nationality is, or your male, or your female, or gender, or anything else. Doesn't care. It means nothing to the element. What the element wants is your trust and your faith. And 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 when you do that, and you turn it over a hundred percent, and you trust the process, you walk across coals that are a thousand degrees and not burn yourself. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, let's do I've, it. I've seen the opposite happen too. I've seen some guys that got a little too uh, carried away with their ego. And they're out there screaming and yelling at the fire and pointing at it. And I'm like, oh, fellas, I wouldn't do that if I were you. 
Literally, they go to walk. They take like one step and they just and they jump off the lane. Literally, I mean, I've seen them take one or two steps and they're getting burnt, <laughs> and they literally jump off the side just because they were standing there screaming and yelling. Because I get asked all the time, Dave, so why don't people get burnt? And you know what my answer is? I don't have a clue. I don't. I know that I, I, all I know is that when I walked on thousand degree coals the first time, I did it and I didn't get burnt. And I've seen thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people do it and they don't get burnt. Is there something going on? Well, obviously there has to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my hallucination is, is that it could be energy disbursement, meaning that, you know, uh, you can take pictures. There's a camera. I think it's called a Carillion camera um, that can see heat coming out of people's hands and their feet. And so when there's a lot of, you know, like an MMA fighter, right, when they go into the ring, there's a lot of energy co- going through their body, through their hands and through their feet. So if there's a lot of energy coming out of your hands and there's energy coming off the coals, could they push on each other? I don't know. Maybe. And again, I don't pretend they have the answer. I don't. I just know that when you when you bring the right mindset and you get yourself in a powerful state of, of either forgiveness and trust or you can get really intense you know if you want to see a one way to firewalk go google uh, Oprah's firewalk uh, 2010 at the convention center in LA she's losing it man <laughs> she's losing it prior to the firewalk which is pretty common you know, she just had, it was more theatrical because she had the cameras out there and, and Sherry who was, uh, in charge of Harpo back in those days. Uh, so that, you know, there was all that going around, but if you want to see what a firewalk's like, um, and, and how, you know, how somebody, what they go through, go watch Oprah's firewalk. It's very, very typical, but here's the best part of the, of the, of the video. Yeah. Beforehand she's walking around and she's going, Oh my God. And she's freaking out. And then there's a moment where Tony goes, Oprah, what's the worst that can happen? Burn your feet off and die? Come on. I'm not going to let you get hurt. And he teaches her what to do. She makes three power power moves, just like I did when I did mine. And she walks. Well, she jumps up and down. She celebrates. You know, it's, it's really beautiful to watch how she celebrated. Well, then she leaves the firewalk area and she goes over and they interview her because they want to talk to her immediately after that. And, and here's what's really interesting about that interview after she firewalked. She makes one of the biggest business decisions of her life. Within seconds of firewalking, she created what's now called the next chapter. And she says it. She goes, this is the next chapter. This is the next chapter, people. Because when I came here, I wasn't planning on doing this. You know, so I must have stayed too long at the fair. <laughs> Because there was a time she could have got out. But you got to start asking yourself, why? What's it all mean to me? Metaphorically, what's going on? Because, you know, we're, we're, we're mammals. We're taught to run from fire. But yes, she was walking right across it. So, yeah, there's magic that goes on, Constantine. And I don't... Oh, it sounds like it. I mean, Dave, you got me wanting to do this now, right? I've never heard <laughs> of it before. Well, I, I, have been, I, I have been known to encourage and influence a few people, that's for sure. I mean, I would imagine to be to to do what you do, you need to be able to inspire and empower people on this beautiful journey. I mean, and all the stories you've shared, that's exactly what they're doing. Well, I want to try to do everything I can to get them across that fire because I know it's on the other side for them. Same thing would have happened to me, you know, and, and somebody encouraged me. Somebody came along and said, hey, wouldn't you like to watch? Well, okay. 
And then that guy came up to me, right? He knows when you're ready. When he says, go, you go. Ooh, and he disappeared in the night. He's another one. Who was that guy? You know, that, that helped me too. Because when I got up there, the trainer did know when I was ready. And he also knew when I wasn't ready. Squeeze your fist and say yes, yes. Stronger, yes. Stronger! He knew I wasn't ready. And when he says go, you go. <laughs> right? That's what that guy told me. When he, he knows when you're ready. When he says go, you go. Ooh, okay. Then what do you do? After the third make your move, get all that adrenaline and all those chemicals fired off in your body. Go, go, go. Boom, I went. Exactly. Interesting. I mean, that's a powerful testament to the guys that come into our life and all that encouragement that comes our way. And sometimes maybe we're not open to, to receiving it. And the power that there is within that, right? Like you just take it and power yourself up, get yourself pumped up and, and go through whatever it is that you need to be doing. A firework or otherwise. Right. Because a lot of people every day in their life, depending on what they have to do with their family or their jobs or whatever, they're firewalking every single day. They just don't look at it that way. But they are because they've got to step up. They've got to face their fears. They've got to step through it. Yeah, happens all the time. Just talk to any first responder. Just talk to any veteran. Um, you know, we, we, we have to firewalk every single day. I mean, you, you talked about earlier about reframing our mindset, right? And that's exactly what it says. Like, remind yourself that, yes, you are firewalking. Just because it's not burning coals under your feet doesn't mean you're not overcoming bigger challenges that will allow you to become your true self, your, your best self. Oh, beautiful, Dave. Wow, what an inspirational conversation. I mean, honestly, you, you had me speechless at many parts, right? Because, uh, of course, you bring all that power, all that energy, all that beautiful history with you and i want to thank you again for all the My wisdom and everything that yeah, you shared man. where can people find out more of course they can google firewalking but where should they go to find out more about you and the events you're going to host um just go to our website you know with they're all there it's a uh, firewalkadventures.com so it's just one word firewalkadventures plural with an s on the end dot com everything's there the academy's there the firewalking, the glass walking, how to get a hold of me, how to set up discovery calls. Um, you know, it's all there. So, so beautiful. Now I got a Facebook page and a LinkedIn page and all that too. But if you go to my website, that's all there anyway. So you can go there and find my LinkedIn and fire, find my uh, Instagram though. I'm, I'm not really big on, a, I'm, you know, I, I, I try to do the best I can with my website. I try to do the best I can with LinkedIn um, and then Facebook, but you know, once you get into Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and, you know, it's like, okay, I, you know, I'm tapping out. Yeah, <laughs> like, I hear you. I don't have the time for all that. I, I like, I, one of my statements that I like to say a lot that I learned from Gay Hendricks in his book, the big leap. And that is I've learned to stay in my zone of genius. I don't want to go outside my zone anymore. There's no reason to do that. Stop doing stuff that you're not good at. You don't need to do. And you can find someone else to help and have him have them do it for you. Well said. I love that. Yeah. Because it's, it's true. Like, I mean, all of us, we're stretching ourselves too thin, right? We, we know what we're great at, but then we need to do all these other things. Yeah. And, no. and it's like, okay, well, you don't have enough time for the greatness, right? You don't have enough time to nurture that. Like, like right now, here with you, this, this is my superpower. This is my zone of genius. Um, I've been given that gift. I know it. I've, and, I've, and I'm very grateful to know 
uh, and to use that gift. And so uh, there's no sense me going out here and, you know, trying to do something else where there's somebody else that can do what I need to get done a whole lot better than I can. And they'll do it better, faster, and love it a heck of a lot more than I will. Absolutely. Well said, Dave. I love that. So before I let you go for today, is there anything else you want to share that we haven't covered? I know we cover so many beautiful topics, but is there anything that comes up that uh, you want to share with the audience before uh, we let them go as well? Sure. One final thing. Understand patterns in your life. Patterns are everything. You know, there's a pattern to eating well and taking care of yourself. There's a pattern that you run, that you tell yourself to take yourself to the gym. There's a pattern with everything. And so patterns are critical. There's also a pattern into doing things that you're not supposed to be doing. Um, And so interrupt those patterns. And, you know, the bottom line is that we all as humans, we make a story up about everything that we do. Every single thing that happened to us, we create a story. Something bad happens to you, you create a story. Something good happens to you, you create a story. And, and so I know this, you want to change your life, change your story. And, and finally, don't negotiate with yourself. Knock that shit off. If you say you're going to get up at six o'clock in the morning, get your happy ass out of bed and get up at six. Don't sit there and go, well, you know, let me sleep another 30 minutes. No, understand that's a pattern. And, and notice how that pattern is not serving you. This is what people that, you know, you sit back and go, wow, you know, why are they so successful? And look at, they do this and they do that. What is it that they know that I don't? They know patterns and they know how to interrupt them and they, and they know how to follow through on the things that they say that they're going to do and they don't negotiate with themselves. Follow their lead. Success leaves clues. Amazing stuff, Dave. Everything has been so beautiful. I want to thank you so much for your time today and for your wisdom. And I, yeah, I can't wait to continue following your journey and everything that you end up doing with your company. And of course, with the Academy and everyone else that's learning from you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks brother. Let's do it again. Thank you so much for joining us on this exploration of personal transformation. Your presence and engagement are at the heart of what we do. And I sincerely appreciate you, your time and thirst for knowledge, inspiration and empowerment. Please consider showing your support by hitting like, subscribe, leaving a comment or writing a review. Your engagement not only fuels our mission, but also helps others discover these insights. For more daily guidance on personal transformation across the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical realms, be sure to visit our website at unleashthyself.com. You can also find us on Instagram at unleashthyselftoday, TikTok and YouTube at unleashthyself, and there we post daily content designed to inspire and empower you on your journey. If you have any specific thoughts, questions, or feedback, I truly value your input. Or if you'd like to have a conversation with me, or work with me, please feel free to email me directly at constantine at unleashthyself.com. I would love to hear from you. Together, we're building a community united in authenticity and purpose. Once again, thank you for being a part of this movement. Until next time, continue to embrace your true self and live a life on purpose, with purpose. See you in the next episode.